Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Good. Welcome to the sauna. If I uh, spend a little time wiping my head off, you'll know why. It's it's a nice warm couple of days we've had. Summer in Iowa. Yes, sir. Uh, at the end of the last recording we did, we just said we were going to touch back on aliens. Um, what did you want to talk about? Tell us. Well, I just remember when I was young, my cousin thought it was really cool that it was in the Bible. And so she grabbed grandma's authorized version of the Bible and opened it up. And she found it in there somewhere about this flying saucer. So I have taken some time to check it out. And what I found was Ezekiel chapter one. I was going to say, yep. And, and uh, you know, it talks like this in verse four. I looked and I saw a windstorm coming out of the north and immense cloud with flashing lightning and surrounded surrounded by brilliant light. Sounds like Orson Welles. Mm -hmm. the, center, the center of the fire looked like glowing metal, and in the fire was what looked like four living creatures. So you've got this bright light, you've got this metal thing, and this these four creatures. That's as close as I could come, I'm sorry. Is that the one that had like, there was something in the sky, there were wheels within wheels? Yeah, that's coming up. Mm -hmm. Okay. I wondered. I, I've I used to watch this show called Ancient Aliens on the History Channel. These weird guys with the weird hair, you know, and they're uh, talking about all these different, like, archaeological things. I mean, some are kind of cool. I think there's a Mayan one where it's like this stone carving, and it looks like this guy is sitting in a rocket ship. Or there's, like, you know, breathing tubes and stuff hooked up to him. So that was kind of interesting. And they talked about, uh, oh, it was Moses... Um, oh, I'm trying to remember what the circumstance was, but they were following a pillar of smoke mm -hmm. or something like that. In the Exodus. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, that that and might they, have been an alien aircraft that they were following. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, and there's also the thing that we haven't quite been able to nail down. When we get to Genesis chapter 6, the talk of the Nephilim and what race of people were they? Oh, yeah. And the fact that they follow all the way up to David's time. And we know that Goliath was one of that group and that it was a, a taller group of people. And, uh, and yeah, David and his mighty men wiped them out, hmm. the last trace of them. So what's that all about? Yeah. So there's things that we don't understand. Uh, I'm comfortable with that, not understanding. Yeah. Because I understand who... Who's the God of it all? Sure. I mean, is that, is that how you, I know I keep talking about, ask, I think I've, almost every single episode we've had, I've asked, you know, basically trying to find where your line is, is like, is the Bible literal? Trans, is, is that the literal word of God that we should follow point by point? Or is there some interpretation in there to, you know, seek the truth? I, I really feel that God inspired very directly the Word of God, yeah. almost to the point where I'd say it's, it's, uh, it's literally His Word. The problem is, on the other side, is that you've got not only Hebrew to translate, but it's ancient Hebrew. It's not modern Hebrew. It's ancient Hebrew we're translating into English, and hey, we only have one word for love. You go to the Greek and they have five. So you've got a, a translation problem to deal with. Then you've got the years in between. 
and uh, so while there's so few variations in the text when you compare how many times it's been written and copied time to time, there's, there's very few. It was considered whole, so holy that there's very few mess-ups between, between the copies. But there are some. Yeah, God. But would God allow that to be happen? Why would God allow there to be mess-ups in his word? Not a lot of mess up, though. When you consider other texts, they're very, very, very few. Okay. Uh, and the numbers that are existent to this day, it's obviously, it's holy. It's a holy document because it's been saved and held for us. Uh, that being said, no matter what our language is, whether it's Hebrew or Greek, or we go back to the very, very, very earliest text, we're still trying to interpret it with human understanding. And we don't have a good handle on spiritual things. Uh, the, the, we've been uh, looking at Ephesians chapter 6, and uh, our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, it is against principalities and powers. Well, does that mean the, uh, the uh, city council of Westchester? No, not really. It's beyond that. It's beyond the governments of this world. It's beyond the powers of this world. And we're very limited in how we can interpret that. Yes, I believe this is God's word. I believe it's, the, it's what he's given us. I, I believe the Bible's a gift. Yeah. But like in, the, in some of the stuff in the Old Testament that we've talked about before, you know, with two materials in one piece of clothing or you know should i set aside you know a tenth of my acres of farmland for um those who aren't as fortunate to use mm -hmm. um and we kind of talked about that you know it's like well we want to say well nowadays it's different we've got a kind of a government that handles some of that stuff and we know now that you know the two different types of materials in our fabric is not of course i don't exactly know why they why that command was given um but we obviously don't follow and neither one of us is right really wearing a yeah. single single material clothing right um maybe my underwear that's, i think that's cotton fruit of the loom 100 percent. Mm -hmm. yeah okay uh, <laughs> um but and i think i heard like tim was it tim keller is that the guy's name talked about something how he yeah, some of the stuff in the Old Testament isn't stuff that we really follow or recognize anymore as, you know, God's law, but it's good context to bring in that New Testament where we see that big shift. Because if you didn't have the context of the Old Testament and all these rules, and then Jesus comes along and says, these are the rules, mm -hmm. this is the New Covenant. If you didn't have that Old Testament with these things, you know, I think there's something like some like how to treat your slaves or and all that stuff. If you didn't see that, you wouldn't see how great Jesus was and how important and how much we need need that. Correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah. very much so. And then you've got the other side where uh, the Old Testament talks about washing, and we're using not only water and soap to wash anymore. We use antiseptic. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so we've taken it farther. Oh yeah. Than what the Bible would say. Yeah. 
I mean, okay, so we kind of got off of aliens a little bit. Um, That's all right. But I, I jotted down some stuff that I, I've heard people say that either they're agnostic or atheist that think, you know, if aliens come along, that means God doesn't exist. And But I found some research where they actually talked to Christians and like, if that, you know, if aliens came along, what, you know, would that shake your faith? And most people say, no, we, and I've thought about this too. It's like, you know, the Bible never talks about DNA, never talks about, you know, the rings on Saturn, um, doesn't say the earth is round. Um, that might be where that whole flat earth thing happened. I, I don't know. And, but we know those to be true and yet those don't shake our faith. Right. Um, so I thought that was a good thing too. Um, okay. So here's another question. Using the Lord's name in vain. Is it how we've always been taught by our parents? You know, you said, you know, Jesus Christ, if you stub your toe, is that a bad thing or? I, yeah, I, I avoid doing that. Subbing your toe? Absolutely. <laughs> but also using his name for anything other than proper pronoun and, and praise. Mm-hmm. Now, if I, so I'm thinking of, of the phrase GD, God. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. You're yeah. saying that, you know, damn that whatever happened but you shouldn't say that about you shouldn't use that in any context you don't want god to damn anything right okay that's right because i I, once i thought you know that's okay to say because if you know if this pig isn't you know going the right way well damn that pig you know i I don't want that you know yeah i want god to smite that pig you know um but then you know realizing it's you know you know call on god to do those things right is that well and, and it's taking it's saying it's actually a prayer that you're actually saying you know when you say gd and so you're actually saying god this is yours to do you know yeah and, okay and i try not to do that you know mm-hmm. i we say thy will be done not my will be done sure and, uh, and so when we go that far we're sort of saying hey intercede here dude this pig is out of line yeah and uh, I, I, I think, well, it's treading on dangerous ground. So okay. I try to avoid. Well, yeah, I, I can avoid that, but I'm not sure I have to say you have to avoid it because you're you. Mm-hmm. You're at a different place in your walk than I am. Sure. Okay, next question. Um, so there's this... Uh, there's this, I don't know if it's a riddle or if it, what, it, what is exactly it's called, but like, if God is so omnipotent, could he create a boulder that he could not move? This is one of the oh. atheist, uh, agnostic kind of, you know, challenges to, to God himself. Yeah, he could, but why would he? Yeah, that's how I feel too, but that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't really... That doesn't really address it. I mean, that's a simple answer for me and you. It's like, yeah, sure. That's I don't. But but part of it comes from a misunderstanding of, so who is God? Yeah. Uh, we're still trying to place a human understanding on a divine being. And uh, when when those kind of questions come up, I realize huh, you're not getting to the root of it. You're you're talking about the outside of who God is. 
you're, you're not getting at the fact that he's the created being far beyond the boulder. Yeah. And, uh, okay. Yeah, probably could, but why would he? Sure. Okay. So not necessarily trying to figure out what kind of power he has and try to discover all that. Cause I mean, already, you know, I, I don't know how DNA works and how it, how God made it. And well, I, I'm, I don't want to discourage human thought and explore, exploration. Sure. But we're so focused on finding the edges of who God is so we can reel him in. And, and you can't find the edge of God to reel him in. We can't find the edge of God so we understand all he's capable of doing. So that'd be a good like kind of rebuttal is that can God do these things? Like, well, that question doesn't make a lot of sense when you understand that you're not going to be able to fully understand the outer boundaries of the limit of his power. We can't understand that. But we've got to get the edges to put him in a box. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that Putting God in a box is our understanding of how yep. we can figure him out. Mm -hmm. And sorry, guys, we aren't yeah. going to figure out everything God's capable of. Oh, right. Yeah, I agree with you. Don't, don't want to discourage seeking the truth or right. something like that. Yeah, that's a good answer. I like that one. Um, okay, so this is one I also heard from Tim Keller. It's like, do we do good deeds and bad deeds for the same reason, humans? Is it all, how do you get out of that trap of, it's because it seems like a lot of it is just self-fulfilling to do a good deed. You know, I, I help you move a washing machine into your house or, you know, I snuck into your house and cut the cable on it so it no, no longer worked anymore because I didn't like that you had a new washing machine. Both of those are kind can be selfish acts. Mm -hmm. How do you escape that trap of it being a selfish act? Well, I think we sort of create that kind of economy in our head. Okay. That there's so many good things and so many bad things I do, and so I keep the economy right and balanced, and then I'm in good place with God. Right. As long as the good outweighs the bad, we're in good shape. And God's economy doesn't operate quite that way jesus christ came to save you that means what he did on the cross covered all your sins the economy's the plate is wiped clean that also means that you will have access to heaven you will be in heaven you'd have to work pretty hard and, and it's possible for you to do away with that salvation but you'd have to work pretty hard to do it Peace beyond that, then, is covered in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 10 and following. You build on that salvation, then, with what you do. And it talks about precious stones, gold, silver, and then it talks about hay and straw, wooden straw. And so we basically build on that salvation. It's not an economy set up in, in this way, with the lady and right. her her scales yeah, bean counting yep it, it, it's an economy upon this salvation we have in jesus christ then how do we build on that okay so it's a pursuit to continue to continue to do good things it's not so we have to understand that it's not for ourselves it is not for ourselves okay it's not for the accreditation you would get for something right right but we have to be aware that there is sin in our life and i think james talks about it 
uh, very well in, in chapter 1, I believe it begins in verse 18, that we can cuddle those things that are sinful and uh, let them give birth into our lives. And when they give birth into our lives, they become full-flown sin and then give birth to death. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we can allow sin in our life and to, to go that way. Selfishness is one of those things okay. that we can you know, nourish and keep going. And Yeah. All right. I have two more questions. And so this one might be a little bit long, but uh, I, I like these questions before I forget them because I don't have them written down. Um, okay. So one of my friends, they don't like the phrase, love the, what is it? Love the sinner, hate the sin. Mm-hmm. They see that as a, like you, I love you because you're good, but that person is sinful. So I don't like that. And I was trying to figure out how to explain that phrase. I, I know that there's, I know that there's a, okay, good. Yeah. Reference to it. So in Romans chapter five, Paul says something like this. You see at just the right time when we were all still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So when we then begin to look through the eyes of Christ at others, we need to do it like he did. That while that person's still a sinner, and I see him on the front bench, and I know what he does on Saturday night, and yet... I love him because I know God loves him. And in the process, that life may turn around. I knew a man who, who abused his wife, abused, uh, had many, many relationships. Alcohol was the source of his sin and took uh, a lot of his life away. But when Jesus got a hold of his life, he turned all that around and became one of the greatest ambassadors I know of the saving grace of Jesus because he had felt every inch of that grace. So we need to start putting on the eyes of Christ and looking at others like Jesus did. What's the potential that could be in that story of that person being turned around? So love the sinner? Yes, absolutely. The sin, not at all. In fact, I don't want you to love me, love my sin. And I'm not going to love your sin. And that's part of the iron sharpens iron as we as Christians walk together. Because we know we're not perfect. Well, yeah. You're pretty close. Yeah. But <laughs> when, we, when we walk together with the Lord, then we are honed in by his word together. You see my foibles, my my soft spots, my, my places that need changed. I see yours. We walk together as brothers in Christ, rubbing shoulders, and like it says in Ephesians 4, 16, we speak the truth in love to each other. And in doing that, we sharpen each other. We make like each that. other better. Yeah, that's a good that's, answer. That's Christian discipleship. Yeah, I like that. All right, final question. How do we deal with telemarketers? 
<laughs> I love it. Especially the ones that call about uh, my my car warranty. Oh, yeah. And so I say, oh, which one? The 1924 Ford? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, they usually hang up on that one. Uh, because all of my cars, none of my cars are newer than 2004. Yeah. Uh-huh. So all the warranties warranty, been gone a yeah. long time ago. Uh-huh. They don't quite... They're not quite all antiques, but they're close. Yeah. And uh, I sometimes let them go on because I know sometimes they get paid by the minute. So I don't want to cut them off. They, they need money too, I guess. Not mine. But they, yeah, I, I kindly say, I'm sorry. Oh, so you don't just hang up right away? Depends on the afternoon. I did one yesterday afternoon in the mm-hmm. middle of things. I, I just hung up. I always get the, um, oh, the Canadian pharmacy where they're trying to sell me uh, erectile dysfunction medications and uh, blood pressure stuff and other stuff. I'm like, I am 32 years old. Um, I assure you, I don't like what well, we can get you it for cheap. I was like, you're not understanding me. I don't. Yeah, you're not understanding mm-hmm. at all. Not even yeah. listening. No. Yeah. I know. I, I, I don't get anything near as interesting as that. No. One, one person said they don't they can't hang up on you. I heard this. That some of them, they can't hang up on you. And so he's like, so I just start discipling. I just start reading the cool. Bible to them until, uh, until they hang up. He's like, and sometimes it goes quite a while, but sometimes it's pretty immediate to hang up. But yeah. yeah I cool. hadn't thought about that. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That might be a way to go. Yeah, it is. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, Don. Thank you, Alex. Take care. God bless you.